Count money, man. Money, Stack man. riches. Try, try, and told, try and told him I'm a beast, bud. What's up, gang? Welcome back to another episode of the Grindcast. Get ready. It's a new day, and today we have Globe Senior Vice President of Recruiting and my man, my friend, Mr. Bo Gentile in the house. Thank you, Welcome Simon. to the Grindcast, sir. Thank you, sir. I've waited a long time to get on the couch. It's like being like, you know, you see the late, late show and this type of stuff. Well, in our industry, it's getting on the grind couch. And I just really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to visit with you and spend some time with you and your agency this week. I know we, uh, you know, I speak on behalf of the whole organization when we say that we really appreciate you taking time away from your family and other folks in the company that you serve to come spend a couple of days, you know, with us, you and Phil and Mike, and uh, we're all grateful to have you. So let's, let's get started. We're going to get a bunch of, bunch of juice, bunch of nuggets that'll help people not only in our business, but out of our business also. So, uh, Bo, you've been with the company, I think 23 years ish, exactly. uh, total, yep. mostly corporate, yeah, majority corporate and then five years in the field, a stint with the Altig organization and then a stint with uh, Tom Williams and David Zoffin, who's our president. I was their RGA for three years in 2011 to 13. So it's a it's a great, unique uh, connection. You know, it's not always with folks in corporate uh, in what we do in the agency field for side. Do you have somebody that has transcended and kind of been in both shoes you know right, so to speak right. gives you a little bit more understanding of what's going on 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 both sides and uh that is shown in uh in the ability for you to help and serve others and uh and, and and that's probably why you've went from you know helping folks at, at american income helping folks at liberty to helping people at family heritage and now basically heading up the the recruiting situation for all of globe which many of you know is is uh is our parent company mm -hmm. and so why don't we start out with you telling us a little bit about your just upbringing yeah um you know raised in a small i mean in a little town in edmond oklahoma um went to high school there went to uh, college in the state of oklahoma and then you know grew up what was unique was um growing up my father was a professional athlete he played 19 years in the major leagues and so I grew up in what a, an experience. Yeah, it was. I mean, he was already done. Um, my older brothers and sisters got the fun of being in a post in a raisin uh, brand cereal commercial and doing those things. They grew up with it. He was already done when I was born. But it was what that's what brought into me the work ethic and the competitiveness. If there's a word for that, um, you know, he, he before it was popular and all this stuff. He just was always like take pride in the name on the front of the jersey. The name on the back of the jersey matters, but the front's what matters more. You're always part of the team first and individual second. And so when I, it just kind of transcended through sports as I played sports, as I got into business. And then when I got into business, um, what was really unique, especially with the AIL experience, was there was this team. There were 40 agency owners at the time. And it was like, I'm a part of this team. And so it was that front name on, it was that name on the front, not so much my results that I could get. You took more pride in taking care of the others. And so kind of a phrase that we kind of use is, my mission was their success. My mission was to provide them with whatever they needed to get there. And that instilled very young with my dad, trying to help us out and with my mom. What do you need in order to succeed? And understanding the process has to be right for the result. Yeah. To be right. Yep. Too many people just jump. I always like to, when I'm training my guys now, I talk about it. Too many guys go to the last line on the spreadsheet. What right. I like to do, and it drives them crazy. I cover the names. I cover the results. I inspect the process. Those are the people that you need to work on. Then look at the name and look at the result because a lot of us will look at the process differently based on the name. But if the name's covered, the process is the process. Mm. 
Now look at the name and then decide how you're going to work with that person. I think that started real young with my dad and those types of things. One of the things that you know, I was hearing you talk about was your son, who's also a good athlete. Mm-hmm. And I think he's, he's playing football. He's done, yeah. he's done hockey. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've watched him through you, yeah. you know, grow up. And, and I mean, I've watched him get bigger and bigger. I remember you sending me the pictures yeah. and I'm like, man, this kid's big. He's young. He's my size. You know, right. I ain't too big, but I mean, as, as a, as a young kid, he's like, man, I could, I could tell he's already my size. Now I see the pitchers he's and he's like me. your size you know yeah. what i mean and uh freshman in high school yep. and and we were talking and, and you're like hey i you know i told the coach you know you don't have to worry about me because they got him playing varsity already you know and, and 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 you went to the coach and said hey you don't have to worry about me um where if you got to be hard on them you know be hard on them yeah you let know? coaches coach and, and sometimes we have a tendency not to do that in society is we have a tendency to, we have our opinion. And as long as the coach goes along with it, we're in a good place where I wanted him to know, I need you to feel like the reins are off, be free. In other words, if you need to have tough love, you can have tough love. Um, you know, granted within boundaries, but you know, when I played for a coach to grab your face mask, that was to get your attention. Normal. It wasn't, it wasn't out of line. Yep. Nowadays, I understand it might be considered a little aggressive, but I want whatever the coach felt he needed to do to get my son's attention. I was letting him know you're not looking over your shoulder it's very hard to go forward when you're looking backwards and when you're looking over your shoulder worrying about different things versus what you know is right the ethics are right the priority is right when you're coaching and what you're doing that's how people learn and that's how people go forward i you know i I quote sometimes john maxwell you know where he says that leadership is disappointing people at a rate that they can stand Mm -hmm. and i think if you want to be able to move at an expedited pace, I have to be able to disappoint you at an mm-hmm. expedited pace. And part of the game now in society, especially with kids, is I have to be able to, I have to be hard on you at a pace that not only you could handle, but that your parents can handle. So I would imagine, you know, the only reason why you would do that, you know, I know for me as a parent, one of the more difficult things it is for me to do, sometimes I have to go discipline my children. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, say, you know, get over there or do that, or I don't want to hear it. You know, when I walk away, I'm thinking like, man, that was not easy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it hurt me yeah, yeah. just as much as it hurt them, but I know I'm doing that, you know, for their yeah. own benefit and, and not a lot of, I think that transfers over into business. You know, people get grown as adults and they, they no longer uh, are willing to have that same, they understand why if they were the coach that would be good for the kids, but when they become the coach, they don't really like to take the same coaching from whoever's coaching them as much. And I believe that's what stunts the process, you know, is, is they're un, they're, they're unwilling to be still a form of a child in right. them in order to continue to grow. And I think that was huge when I heard you say that about the coach, what, what was it like, or what did it take for somebody like you to earn your way to, you know, running the, the recruiting for all of globe life, which is a, you know, a huge company, you know, that whole path, you know, what was that like? Um, what's the cool stuff, yeah. you know, and all that, well, but what is, what is, what were some of the like, man, what did that require? Well, I think a lot of it was, I had a great mentor when I first came in, which was Roger Smith. And I was fortunate we were small enough that when I came in, there were only five people at the corporate office at American income. So once a week, me and Roger would actually, and this is where I was going to say, first it was, I had the right people that cared about me. The right people that cared about me and wanting to see my success. Roger, every week, would make a trip up to go see the CEO at the time of of Torchmark for us to kind of meet. Roger was new in his position. He'd only been there a year. He brings me in to be his director of recruiting. That two-hour drive to McKinney up and back every week, pouring into just me, 
it was the most anyone in the business world had ever cared about me. And at the time, I didn't understand it. Sometimes I was like, oh my gosh, here we go, two hours. And I, I went at it like, I got to have the right answers. Instead of understanding, I needed to ask the right questions. See, too many people, when they're working with the person who's what you would say, you know, they're here, you're, you know, above them, they think they have to have the right answers. And what they're missing is that was two hours. I, go, I would love to go back now. You could go pick oh his brain. Oh my gosh, if I could pick his brain for four hours a week, I'd do it now. And I'm hoping I'm not bothering him when he's at home on vacation. You know what I'm saying? Because yep. I missed that opportunity. I went into that meetings wanting to have the answers for him versus trying to get the questions to be better. Hmm. So that was really good. Once I understood that people cared, then it was kind of, I got to be honest, a lot of it was the people. A lot of it was the people and, and not wanting to let them down. I talk a lot about what I see as the most successful people in, our, in all of business, even in any business, is those people that have the ability to create emotional loyalty. Now, hear me when I say emotional loyalty. I didn't say romantic. I said rom emotional and that they don't want to let somebody down. Not wanting to let somebody down is more important than going after the right result. 100%. And that's what I learned where I didn't want to let the agency owners down. I didn't want to let the SGAs down. I didn't want to let you. I mean, heck, when I first met you, I mean, I think it was like 2003 or four. you came into Waco down in the down in the basement where we did our leadership old school, class. Old school leadership yeah. schools. And the first thing I did was when I met you, I was like, okay, this is going to be a key player. You could tell. Within an hour, it's going to be a key player. It was, how do I challenge you? You want my AIL cufflinks? Okay, do this. Six months later, I was sending you. My cufflinks, because you accomplished what was there. And that was part of it. It was like watching other people grow. But really what kind of did it was just learning that that people are people. And if you can understand what it is that they want to accomplish and you can help them accomplish what they want, the satisfaction alone is enough. But more times than not, especially in our business, but just in life, everybody wins. Mm. People always want to talk about there has to be winners and losers. I don't believe that. I think at times in sports, maybe, but in business, everyone can win. Everyone can win. And Amen. that's the best part about what we have where we, in, in our business or most businesses, someone doesn't get something and someone else lose it. We just make the pie bigger. Right. And that's the right. part I like. So as I went along, I started to realize that. And then, you know, I, I, I seven years in the business, I realized, and Roger had a conversation with me. He was like, Bo, you're really seen as an administrator. And until you actually... Kind of, and he used an analogy because it's a small, you know, go regressing a little bit. When I first interviewed with Roger, I think one of the only reasons I probably got the job was his wife at the time, Dottie, had babysat for my older brothers and sisters when my dad played baseball in Baltimore. Small world, right? Yeah. I'm interviewing with Roger Smith, and here's this. So Roger used the analogy of a baseball card. He's like, Bo, the front of the card looks great, but the front of everybody's baseball card looks great. There's no separation between King Griffey's baseball card and yours on the front. But when I turn them over, one of them's going to Hall of Fame and one of them doesn't have any stats. So he's the one who kind of nudged me almost in a way to say, you've got to go into the field. You've got to get, for lack of a better term, street cred. Or you've got to get experience with our people so they trust when you're asking them to do something in the field. They trust your reports. They trust the analytics of it. Now trust the personal behavior part of it. And so went into the field and, uh, you know, when I spent those three years with Tom and Dave and a couple of years with AO, that's where now all of a sudden I did have that baseball card. But more than anything, I really, I understood what it meant to be in business. Sometimes when you're behind the desk, you're not in business. You're an employee mindset. You know mm -hmm, what I mean? Mm -hmm. And once I kind of merged the two together, that's where I felt like things took off because I could now, I could have empathy 
for when an agent or an SGA or an agency owner would tell me one thing or anyone would tell me something. But at the same time, I understood what still needed to be accomplished from the corporate goal. Right. Make sense? Right. You know, and kind of where you talked about discussions, it also allowed me to be better at having those conversations. We've all heard the quote, you're really not moving the needle if half your conversations with people don't make you as uncomfortable having them as they are going to be hearing them. Mm-hmm. You're taking the easy way out. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. It taught me how to have those in a manner that that showed them that I cared versus it was, hey, I need you to do this so I, we look better on a report. Speaking of, you know, taking the easy way out, what, you know, you have to imagine on a journey, you know, 20 year plus journey, you'd, you'd have to have some obstacles or hurdles, you know, along the way. Any hurdles jump out to you? Any obstacles that you've had to persevere through that that stand out? Yeah, um, I when when and I'll be just really sincere. When I first came back from working with Tom and Dave, um, Roger was the CEO, and everything was good. And I knew Roger was going to retire, and I had a real big maturity lesson that I had. So to this learn. is coming back to corporate. Coming back to corporate from working with and those of you that aren't aren't familiar yeah, with the company. That, yeah. you know, Tom and Dave, those are. Two great people that were at the time in South Florida, right? Correct. Which is we, where you were working, correct? In correct. the agency in field, the agency force, field transitioning right. into corporate. Yeah, Roger. Again, like we talked about, Roger kind of had along the way moved things, and then you know he just basically was like, "Hey, would you like to come back to corporate?" Okay, um, but he told me ahead of time, "Hey, it looks like I may be retiring, and there's going to be a new CEO that comes in." And I knew the CEO, Steve Greer. We go back at one point; I was even his director. We worked together. Um, but I didn't, I didn't um, handle the transition right. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't handle the, and I call it the transition. You've got to be able to adjust to different processes and different things in business. You've got to be able to um, understand that things are going to change. You may be playing for this coach, and now you're playing for this coach. And I don't know that I adjusted as strongly as I could. And I, and I, that's the one hurdle that I wish if I could go back, if there's one thing I wish I could go back, it would be, I would have sat down and I already said it earlier. I would have sat down with Steve Greer and asked more questions. I made more statements. I tried to keep things the way they were. Da 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 da. And I wish that I would have. Now we have a great relationship, but I know this is a mistake I made is I didn't try to ask questions from the per- same thing I didn't do with Roger in the beginning. I had a chance to correct that with Steve and I look back and go, that's that, that's a two year window. I wish I could have back of communicating with, with Steve because I would have asked a lot more questions and um, who knows? I mean, I've, I've gotten those answers now, but it was a two year curve on that. for so sure. So there's, there's some nuggets that people can pull of, you know, spend time before you're transitioning into something or spending time with somebody uh, that may be a coach or somebody that you have to work closely with, spend time on the questions. Give give thoughts of the questions that you want to ask when you're with that person. I, I know for me, it's maybe a different gear, but whenever I have an opportunity to mentor you know, people in business, the thing that separates me wanting to continue spending time with somebody is how prepared they are you know, when they show up. And I try to do the same thing when a mentor gives me time. You know, I still try to find mentors and have mentors in my life, you know, at, at 40 and 18 100%. years in the game. And I think the way that I've I've tried to separate myself, you know, I'd have to hear from that person's standpoint of why, you know, you would continue that relationship with me for a decade when so many mm-hmm. people want your time is is that I try to come in prepared uh, with not only what I've done that I've implemented so you could realize that you're not wasting your words and wasting your time 
but then I'm coming prepared every time with with questions uh, that are well thought out that show that I respect the opportunity and, and respect your time, but to also keep it to where you don't have any heavy lifting. I'm not showing up and expecting you to do more work. Mm-hmm. You're already doing me a, a, a service by allowing me to pick your brain and and, uh, and pick your knowledge. What what are some what are some standout characteristics that you would say of people that succeed? in, in business and in, in, in our business in general, you know, maybe just, uh, people that are just starting out, you know, we could start out with, and then maybe you've traveled, you know, the Mm -hmm. country and spent time with some of the greatest leaders, uh, the greatest leaders in the company, which is in my opinion, some of the greatest leaders in, in, in business, in in business period in the United States of America. So maybe can you point out some things that stand out of a, who makes it? You know, in the business, what are some of the characteristics that you see of the, of the people that, you know, these are some things that they do that uh, of the people that make it. And then at the higher levels of leadership, what what things stick out about the greatest leaders that you've been around? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and my first response back on that is most of them have a vision that is just so much greater than Friday's paycheck. Their vision, you know, I like to relate in our business that, and, and I'll use our business because kind of how you centered the question, that the agents in the day, the SA's in the week, the GA's in the month, the MJ's in the quarter, and the SJ's in the year. And that if that's their mindset, that's typically when they'll be successful. And if you find yourself having to do the shorter, like if the SJ's in the year, they're probably, it's, it's not a good spot. If the MJ's in the week, or excuse me, in the week, it's not a good spot. So what I find is the people that stay, I, I hate to use the term stay in their lane, but they don't allow themselves to get dragged down to think smaller than where they are. They empower their people to do that. In other words, you have a great crew. We just did your leadership school. There's 20 people on there that make sure that you're in the month. Then below those 20, there's another 20 that makes sure the week's going to be good. Then below those 20, there's another 20 that are making sure the day is going to be good. Every step along the way, it's like a redundancy, like there's a spare parachute all the way to the goal where you're trying to get. What I find is the number one characteristic of those people is that they're process-driven, not results-driven. They really, really focus on the process. They're really more about the process, and they trust it. Um, I'll use... um, Anytime we've implemented something new from a, a bonus program or a, a VIP program or something, there have been times where it had been real easy to kill it, but they stuck with it. It's just like um, a good diet or a good good training. you got to get through that two weeks where the scale doesn't show the result, mm-hmm. but you know it's coming. Does right. that make sense? Right. And that's right. the characteristics of those leaders where they kind of, they don't, they don't, they don't, What's the word I'm looking for? They, they, they don't switch on a dime. You know what I'm saying? They're not magic bullet. They understand it's the process. It takes Consistent time. Consistent to the long-term process. Exactly. Not, there's no short-term game for long-term sacrifice type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But when I look at it, the, the most successful ones just have a big, big vision, but they, they, they don't ever try to sell the vision of short of the amount of effort it's going to take. That's the real thing I see is that they understand the amount of effort it's going to take and they surround themselves with people that want to put in that amount of effort and then the result happens. But I really, rarely in most really big successful agencies, yours and the other ones that I'm around nationwide, even when I'm with Family Heritage or I'm with Liberty, the bigger agencies normally don't talk about a dollar goal or a weekly goal. They talk about an activity. They talk about a process to get there. That's the strength of the leader where the minute you say a goal, now you've put a limit and now people think 75% of that's good. Hey, we really want you to have an A plus. So I got an A minus. I still did good, right? Mm-hmm. But once you say, guys, we're going to do what we need to do. This is how we're going to do it. We focus on the activity. 
That's where I'm seeing those are the stronger, those are the characteristics that I see that they don't put a lid, they don't start their conversation with a lid. They start their conversation with, we can go anywhere we want. This is just what it's going to take to get there. And they surround themselves with people like that. Love it. How about the newer agents? You know, people that, you know, are in that first six months, Mm -hmm. you know, range that you see, you know, and I I know we've all been around, you know, man, we think she's going to do great. Mm-hmm. she don't make it right we uh, we don't know if she's gonna be that good she ends up being, being a star it's right? always the opposite right but but the the characteristics mm-hmm. of the people that do make it you know i i tell people in in the leadership when we get into the uh turnover conversation of the higher you go in leadership the less you have to deal with turnover you know if the if i'm an sga and i'm dealing with mgas and rgas you know the retention rate of those people is 90 percent right. plus right mm-hmm. if i'm a RGA and I'm dealing with MGAs and GAs, the retention rate of that is going to be, you know, 75% plus. And, you know, if I'm a GA and I'm dealing with mostly, you know, field trainers, you know, the retention rate of that is going to be 50% plus. And so the only place that the turnover rate becomes an issue is, is that, that the first agent, the sales agent, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that is getting off the ground before they get, you know, promoted the new people that are in that first six month range. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I had to blindfold you and you couldn't see the person you didn't, but, but I said, all right, here's the traits of some of them. You could pick Mm -hmm. if they have these traits, they get to be on your team. You know, what traits would you look for? To be honest, I'm going to ask them to tell me their story. And the ones that have the most difficult story are the ones that I want. Okay. So people that have overcome some obstacles. 100%, 100%. Because we're a great recruiting organization. We will get a lot of people that want a piece of what we've got, but they're not good at overcoming obstacles, so they give up on their dream. But those people that have overcome the obstacles will not let go of this dream. They will see this, and our people will help pull them up. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. But we can't pull somebody up who doesn't put their hand up. If you're not reaching out, I can't grab you. And so for me, I would just be like, okay, tell me your story. You know, a lot of times I used to, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, I would sometimes ask the question, tell me about yourself. And just what they would tell me, but this, this, the more, the more times there was like, I got down, I got back up, I got down, I got back up. That's who I wanted because what I know in our business, we have a start date and a commit date. There's a date everybody starts and those that stick commit. And normally that date's in somewhere in their first 90 days. And that's because their leader got emotionally connected to them. And and when I say loyal, I mean, they change something. Please don't misunderstand. I mean, they change something from the standpoint of, wow, my income changed. Wow, my lifestyle changed. Wow, just the leadership you're providing changed. That type of deal. They, they got connected. Right. And once they got connected, that's the ones that stay. But I just want you to tell me your story. And the ones that have overcome obstacles, because this career will have obstacles. Any business will have obstacles. Anything in life will have obstacles. Sometimes when it, by the time they get here, I sometimes will laugh. The, the person with their first job sometimes doesn't do as good as we're the person with their third job. Because the one with their third already knows the first two. The corner office they didn't appreciate get it. Well, it's, it's you know, um, um, you'll hear it said all the time. Give me the person who's already been on two jobs that graduated college. Because the job with the assistant, the corporate jet, and the corner office wasn't there. The second job where they went to wasn't there. Now they're willing to put in the grind, as we say, to get what they need to be. Right. Reality is kind of, you know, they're no longer in this idealistic world. Now they're getting a little realistic and they realize hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Right. And it's time to work hard. And that's what I'm listening for and looking for. I remember the, uh, you know, back in the day, you know, we, we had, because you've been, you know, the guy to talk to about recruiting for a long time. I remember we had a poster, you know, and, and 
I may be dating myself a little bit. You know, I, I still think I'm youthful, but right. you know, I was I'm I'm uh, old enough to love Bo Jackson. Right on. You know, uh, who played baseball at a yep. high level and football at a high level and was a ridiculous athlete. Yep. And uh, we had a poster that said Bo knows recruiting. Yep. You know, when we were promoting stuff about, you know, you doing a call and all that stuff. Yep. And and so I know Bo knows recruiting. You know, that's what you've been zoned in on, you know, for two decades mm-hmm. and spent time with, you know, like we mentioned, some of the greatest leaders right in on. the country. What do you think that it takes as a leader? Um, because just like sports, I think business is similar in sports in many ways. But one of them is typically – regardless of how good of a coach you are, you know, if I got the best roster, if I got the best talent, a lot of times I'm going to win. You know what I mean? If I got the talent. So you're in a talent acquisition Mm -hmm. business, business, you know, as a martial artist, you know, I would say you're a black belt in talent acquisition, you know? So what, what would you say it takes for leaders uh, to be able to acquire top talent? What things would you say that it would, require for you know if i'm a leader in any industry you know here's how you start to attract some top talent well i i think i think a lot of that starts with the you have to use multiple channels in order to do that i think i think too many people in this day and age right now are getting social media happy too much is just social media does that make sense believe it or not what's old is new again you know and so what i like to say is you've got to have a multi-channel approach social media you've got to use it You've got to do some personal recruiting, just who you are. But I like to say you have an ownership mentality. So you think social media helps? Oh, social media helps for sure, without a doubt. Or we wouldn't be sitting here, right, in your podcast and things. Social media is a benefit. But I look at social media, and this is where, you know, it's just a different take is social media is the validation of what I'm going to tell you happens. Does that make sense? Yep. In other words, I'm not going to utilize social media to post an ad or to do things. I'm going to use social media to validate that what's are possible within my organization. This is what we do. This is how we share in our lives. This is how we celebrate. This is how we work. You're going to be able to get you're going to be able to get what I call the culture of the agency or the culture of the company by going to social media. Not read a one ad on social media. Does that make sense? Yes. That should be the da- social media to me is that dangling carrot of man, I want to be a part of that. That looks fun. That looks exciting. Wow, look at that environment. Mm-hmm. And and have a little bit of everything. There's going to be a little bit of the material things. There's going to be a little bit of the emotional things, a little bit of culture. But it can't just be one. But I think social media go, is very important. I think personal recruiting comes into play. And what do I mean by that? I think your successful recruiters in any business are always open for business. And what do I mean by that? They have an ownership mentality which means they're always listening, not listening because they're going to recruit everyone, but even a top recruiter at a corporate organization, let's pull out any, pull out the the best banking firm in the world. Their top recruiter, even when they're not working, watches traits of people, listens to what people are saying, and will go up and present themselves because right now with where the market is for recruiting, the only people not working are typically those that don't want to right now. So your top talent, you've got to recruit. We're not able to hire. See, we went through a phase during during the pandemic where we could hire. Now we got to get back to recruiting. And recruiting is just like the, the player who said, I'm never going to go play at Alabama because I live in California and I like the sun and the weather. But once they feel the sun on the grass at Alabama Stadium, once they see what's going on, or heck, I know, I know you're O-State, I'm Oklahoma. I mean, we that's recruiting. Who wants to go to Oklahoma to play football? Think about it. National powerhouse all the time. I use them as an example. Name, if I asked anyone in your room, I'll go find your 50 top managers. You want to move to Oklahoma? 
Some might even ask, where is it? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. But we can recruit there because when they get on campus, it's the culture, it's the environment. It's that. That's what social media and the face-to-face interaction works. Mm. But next, the next big thing with the recruiting is I go back into it's multi-channel. Too many people are just going one one channel, and you've got to the person that's going to, for lack of a better term, win in recruiting is going to have multiple. I, for lack of better terms, activity streams of recruiting. They're going to do social. They're going to do personal. They're going to do on-campus or face-to-face college type of recruiting where they can meet people. They're going to utilize the the job boards. Indeed, ZipRecruiter, the Monsters, the Career Builders of the World, the, the job boards. But they're going to have all of these going. So if one stops, the other four still keep it going. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Multiple most, streams. Correct. But most importantly is... They are open to the, you know, there's there's always a criteria. With us, you have to get a license. With some places, you need a degree, those types of things. But ultimately, they haven't raised this bar to where that person that's hungry doesn't get the opportunity. Yep. I, you know, I talked about it today on your call. Let's make sure we're not making it more difficult to become a part of this organization than it was when you joined. Yes. That door needs to be just as open as it was for these new these people now as it was for you. I think, you know, when it comes to recruiting, you could look at it as, you know, leadership, you know, a lot of it could be based off of your relationships. Recruiting starts to become about networking and relationships. Mm-hmm. A lot of our, not all, but when I, if I could just speak for myself, when I look at my journey, mm-hmm. not everybody, but a lot of, of, of the people that have had the most success were people that were personally attracted mm-hmm. uh, by others. But I could just speak for myself that the, the people that I've coached, you know, over the long haul, a lot of the people that had the most success were people that I personally recruited into the organization. Mm-hmm. I would say half of the people uh, I never knew before, some of the mm-hmm. people I knew before, but a lot of the people I never knew before. How, how do you think people could set a foundation for having a good relationship while you're – at the same time, networking to try to So when you say a good relationship, talent. you mean like personal recruiting relationship and at the same time do the outside? Well, you are, you are living proof of that because in 2011, I came to visit you. Remember, it was like, hey, Simon is, we were an established agency in Florida. You were brand new up here and you were handing us our tail. You know, I mean, literally, you were handing us our tail and it's like, I left corporate, I'm doing this. I'm like, wait, what's going on? And I came up here just to see what you were doing in personal recruiting. And what I realized was you were just doing it. You were actively out there seeing people. You own the business. You understood that the art of recruiting is people. And you understood how to communicate with people and attract people. But at the same time, that's where I kind of go to that multi-channel approach. Some people, when they start having a lot of success with personal, they start to think if you're not a personal, then you're not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And what they've really got to understand is... I was not a personal recruiter. I know, you're an RMS. I was I, a resident. Listen, we called you. My team called you. I take credit for Simon being a part of American Income. It's just at the time, Kim Smith provided us the resume and we called you from home office or, or Marcus and them contacted yep. you. But, but, the, but the real key to that is, and that's what sometimes happens with recruiting. People go to the magic bullet. Personal recruiting's really working. That's all I'm going to do. And then it's, oh, wait, indeed's all I'm going to do. Oh, wait, this. And they just have to have that balance and that same discipline the same way they would. And that's where I always try to parallel recruiting to production. Are you ever just going to be a child safe only? Are you ever just going to do referrals? Right. Are you ever just going to do this? So mirror the two, and that's how it works. You mentioned about Oklahoma uh, having that winning tenure, that winning mm-hmm. atmosphere. 
how important do you think it is with winning organizations to have a certain culture, you know, that you have, that you set? Yeah. She mentioned, man, it, who wants to move to Oklahoma until <laughs> you come down there and you feel the culture? Right. I mean, me and you talked about it earlier. I mean, who would have thought Oklahoma would win three national championships in softball back to back? When I think softball, I think UCLA, Arizona, all this. Now, all of a sudden, three years in a row, this team out of Oklahoma has won the national title. And that's because that team has created a culture. When they come on campus, they almost create FOMO, fear yeah. of missing out. Wait, yeah. you, you, I'm going to miss out on that? I want to be yeah. a part of that. Yeah. And that's why, to me, culture is everything. And I learned a long time the ago. The softball team? Yeah, the yeah. softball team did yeah, that. Football yeah. hasn't won three in a row. I'd yep. like to lay claim to that, yep. but we're a long way from there. We're just trying to get back to 500 next year. So mm-hmm. ease up on the comments about But you Oklahoma. know when they were really, really I, I doing know good. I know we're getting there. Correct. A lot of it was coming from... Our coach, it's Stoops, Youngstown, out of Ohio, Ohio baby. Shout out, Bob Ohio Stoops. Let's go. Ohio will lay claim to anything they can. I get it. I'm with you. Especially Youngstown. I got you. Throw me I a bone. You. Throw me a bone. I'm with you, man, 100%. I mean, and, and, you know, his brother was there, so they were great. The big thing is it's culture is people. See, you don't change culture because you put a banner on the wall. You don't change culture because you are wearing a suit rather than a Jordan jersey. Culture can only be changed by mindset and people. I've watched more organizations go to another level because they, the, the, the people that were holding it back decided to leave or, 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 or change in a lot of different industries, not just ours. So yeah. I'm not, and then all of a sudden it goes to a whole nother level. I mean, you know, heck, our CEO, Steve Greer, talks about he let his dad go. And when he let his dad go out of his organization, there was even some growth there. Because sometimes what you don't realize is it's, People can be the lid to other people, but people are really the lid to that culture thing. And people want to be a part of that. I think now FOMO is greater than it's ever been. And what I mean by that is fear of missing out is people show up and not for nothing, but we used to do it in Florida. This is way back, but you put the nicer cars in the front. You do this, you dress up. People are like, wait a minute. That's kind of cool. That's kind of nice. And then other people might see um, all the donations you make with inspiring, with inspiring minds and the different things that the organizations do with Make Tomorrow Better and stuff. And who knows what people want to do now to pay it forward. Make sense? Yeah. But if they can be a part of something that does pay it forward, if they can be a part of something that gives them that opportunity for growth, right. that fear of missing out is what brings them in. And that's the art of recruiting. Yep. That's the art of recruiting, and that's why I think what you do with your grindcast and what other organizations do, all of them do, with their trying to just inform people and educate people, you do this and more people that have never walked in your door watch it than walk in your door. If you were only doing this for the people here, then, okay, great, we can just do it on a Zoom. Right. The fact is, there are more people that get more out of this that don't come into your organization. Right. That's paying it forward. Yep. But that's also the, that 1% that comes in. They want a piece of it. Right. They want a part right. of it. And the energy. And, you know, me, Phil, and Mike were talking about it last night. I mean, just all of us going to Top Golf and the energy that was at Top Golf and the camaraderie and the the passion. And even then, because it was a contest, there was that fear of missing out. What have I got to do to get to that contest? For sure. You know what I mean? For sure. I mean, and, and, I know, got fear of missing out when I watch you flying around uh, the, the racetrack because anytime I hit my foot on the gas pedal, Natalie hollers at me because I ended up with a speeding ticket. So I haven't had one in a really long time. There knock on, knock on wood. Okay, go. knock on wood. But you know, I don't, I don't know a ton about racing, but I know you're into cars, and you know, and I know you, you've hit yep. the racetracks and you know, and stuff yeah. like that before. How did you get into, you know, is it, is it drag um, racing? Yeah, it's drag race. Really, what it is is um, when I was in Florida, um, 
the opportunity afforded me, um, the ability to, I was always in four door sedans and my son got to be about three. And that's when I knew I was in trouble. He was like, dad, your car is boring. And we literally just one Sunday went and looked at cars and I said, what about this one? Dad, I love, I mean, he's three, right? I love it. This is great. Ooh, cool. Mitch has matched his matchbox car. And I got my first uh, Dodge Challenger. Mm. And from there, it's just, um, you know, I joke, you know, there's, there's a meme out there that talks about having one type of habit was expensive, but being with cars has gotten more expensive. This is a very expensive hobby. It's a very expensive habit that my son got me into. It started with a 99 cent matchbox car. And now we got a half a million dollar race team that we go and race. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we've done everything. And you race competitively? Yeah, we've actually, we raced, um, we went to, no or excuse me, we went to Lights Out um, in April in Atlanta. Um, did real well there. Went to TX2K, which is the largest kind of streetcar race sweet. in the nation. Made it to the sweet. semifinals out of 39 cars. Um, That's sweet. It's a lot of fun. But And the, you built that car yourself? Yeah, well, we like took the, well, we, well. Not yourself, but, uh, but yeah. your hands. Here, here's what yeah. it boils down to. Bought the car and yes. then upgraded it significantly. Upkept, yeah. And uh, wow, now it's a lot of fun. And you bring a team. Do you um, have a team? So, you know, how, like, when you race, do you have people that you know? Like, when I watch it, if somebody blows a tire out, there's like a team of people. That yeah, come in, in our and work case, it. because it's only like eight seconds down the strip. Okay, it's um, just a straight shot. Yeah, straight shot. Okay. Um, if you blow a tire, it's real. You just got to bring it back around. Typically, in most cases, if I'm going out of state, I'll take the family. But for most, like Sunday, I, before I came here, a lot of times I will go race to clear my mind before I'm going on a trip to just kind of. So Sunday went down to the track by myself, pulled the trailer, unload the car because it's, it takes about just, and this is me and Phil, Phil gives me a hard time just to unload the car and get the car ready to go down the track takes about three hours and it's eight seconds on the track. Mm. So it's three hours of preparation for eight seconds. For eight seconds. And I said, Phil. So it was like. Well, but that's what, that's what I was, we're going to relate it to. I said, Phil, the reason why I enjoy it so much is it, it reminds me the process is more important than the, if I was only doing it for the eight seconds, guess what I wouldn't do. Right. But that process, it keeps me grounded in that the process is what matters. I go through my safety checks. I make sure the fire bottles are set. I make sure the parachute's set. I make sure the brakes are good. All the tire pressures are right because it's eight seconds at 160 plus miles an hour and anything could go wrong. You know, it's you and two cement walls and a sand trap at the end and you either stop or so the preparation is more important than the eight seconds because right. eight seconds could, could be, be life disaster. and death could be well, life and death <laughs> i don't like to think that but it could be it could definitely not it could definitely go wrong yeah so it's the preparation well so is life as you said but so is any business how you prepare will definitely dictate more times than not the result that you get yeah so it sounds like you know i was going to end with you know what what would be your advice to people new in not just our business, but just new to getting into, into business. And it's, you know, I don't want to answer for you, but it sounds a lot of, sounds like a lot of what you've said has been about that just process. Process and, and, and understand the process. You only can learn the process by asking questions. I, I am still convinced, um, to this day with my staff, um, and even myself, I had a meeting with, with my superior, um, Friday before we came here. And my whole deal was I, I sent him ahead of time. Because I don't, I don't like, I'd, I'll just be honest, I sent him ahead of time the questions I was going to ask because I wanted to have him time to digest and maybe give me a better answer at the time versus that meeting be discovery to have to have a discussion later. So ask questions. If you're new to something, 
you cannot be afraid to ask questions. You know, I always like to tell, you know, I tell my team, the answer is no if you don't ask the question. Right. But if you ask the question, remember, everyone needs to remember in business, your leader, the owner, whoever it is, they want to say yes. They want to say yes. The only reason they they say no is you probably just, either the question wasn't phrased right or they're not sure that you're aware of it because you haven't asked enough questions to give them the confidence that you can handle the next question. So asking questions, being open to, to guidance, but but seizing that opportunity and realizing that asking questions about the process will ensure you get the result you're looking for. So no, have an idea, don't get me wrong, have an idea where you want to finish but you got to ask the right questions to get you there. Yeah. When I hear asking questions, you know, that's just being a student. Right. You know, I, I talk sometimes about there's a difference between being coachable and then being a student. Well, you're coachable. It's like, I'm going to coach you. I'm going to tell you what to do. Being a student is what you're talking about. Yeah. And and that's the biggest, the hardest part for most people is actually being the student. There are a ton of people and we both know this and me included. Sometimes we say, man, I'm, I'm willing, tell me anything. I'm willing to learn, but then no, we're willing to hear anything. And then we're going to figure out what part we're going to implement. Yeah. And what we need to understand is, you know, a puzzle isn't a complete puzzle. If you leave certain pieces out, so you can't pick and choose what you're going to implement. Amen. If you ask the question and your mentor or leader or whoever gives you the answer, you don't normally get to pick what parts you want to use. You got to use them all. And most people, That's when, the they, when right they struggle, they pick which parts they are comfortable doing and the ones they're not, they leave out. And then therefore they want to know why they never get that complete picture. The winning success. is in the, the winning is in the parts that you, that, that you want to leave out. hundred percent. Oh, uh, always. Right. That's always. where the winning is done. Always. That's is, the cherry on top. If, if, if it was just about doing the things that we want to do, then we all would be doing it. Yeah. You know, I'd be the, in that chair and you'd be over here. The separation mm-hmm. is, is, uh, well, you can have this chair. No, I'm just playing. The, but, but the, that is the difference. Right. And, and doing the stuff that you don't feel like taking coaching 100%. to do. That's it. where that's where all the winning is at. Mm-hmm. You know, right there. When when people ask me what does it take, you know, I came in and and I remember you said about the thing in you know Waco, and I'd love to hear what you thought. Maybe if you can remember what what it, what made you thought that I would be successful. But I could tell you, I remember I remember you you giving me the opportunity to earn the cufflinks because it meant so much to me. I had those cufflinks and I know you know those cufflinks because you talked about how they were real, they were uh, real silver and they mm-hmm. started to, you know, you they'll had to turn. polish them. If you don't they'll, polish they'll them, turn. they'll turn. I rode those suckers till the wheels fell off, right. man. You know, I had those things for over a decade. You talk about sentimental, you know, it was just in the moment back when we were in the bottom of Waco mm-hmm. doing leadership schools, yeah. you know, those cufflinks were one well, of the only though? pairs of cufflinks I ever had, you hmm. know, in my life. My first interview off of that resume, I, I borrowed the suit, you know, from my uncle. Mm-hmm. And I still have the tie, you nice. know, that I wore to that interview. Nice. And and uh, I look at, you know, the jokes that I, I when, when I try to coach our people, and I still don't got it all down on, you know, how to dress uh, to impress completely, you know. But when I try to give the young folks um, s- some tidbits on how to dress, to make sure they don't feel bad about themselves, you know, I go back and pull up my old pictures. Yeah, you know, exactly. when I'm like, but look again, at you show, look at me. Yeah. Look at look at yeah. what I look like, you know, right there. That's that's what I started out with in the beginning. And uh, you know, I could just tell you when when people ask me, what does it take? You know, if I could pick, you know, out of this stack of resumes, mm-hmm. who's gonna make it? It would it would be that person that is not gonna give up no matter what the adversity point. Mm-hmm. It would be the, the, the person that's going to bring a work ethic mm-hmm. and the person that is the most coachable. Mm-hmm. If you don't quit, 
and you bring a work ethic where, where I'm going to outwork everybody, which is the, all of these things are controllables. Mm-hmm. And, the, and then I'm going to be the most coachable person. I'm going to be the best student. You know, those three things, I think if you can apply that to anything in life, you're going to have an astronomical amount of success. And the great thing that I found was it's all in your control. When I realized that I can, you know, God bless me with the ability to walk into a, a, a company by the grace of God. You know, mm-hmm. I put that resume online for a college class that I crammed for that I waited until last second and, and didn't even really expect to take the job. I just did an interview because the teacher said right. I had to do an interview to, 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 to pass the class right? and show yeah. that I did it and all that stuff. And when I realized that those steps were led, you know, to me, and and I don't want to force my beliefs on it, but when I realized I believe those steps were led by the grace of God, you know, to this place, when I started to realize, you talk about your start date and your commit date, when I realized that people cared for me, you know, like you were talking about, when I realized the stability of the company, but when I realized that my success was going to be based on my own Mm -hmm merit that I was in control, it blew my mind. I I never realized that, that people would have the ability. I thought that you were almost, you know, you had to go and this is what you were supposed to do. You know, coming from Youngstown, you just, you know, you go, you get a job, you work for 30 years, you know, you, you, you retire with a uh, retirement, you know, at 65 and somebody tells you what to do. Never really in that process did anybody open my mind that it would be so similar to sports that if you just put yourself in on the team, you will have the same opportunity to, to earn a starting position and you would be in control. That's what I realized that has changed my life and would change people's lives. If people just realize how much control that they have over their own success in all the things that you're searching for out there. The answers are already within. The answers are are, are within our control. I, I want to say thank you uh, for coming on the Grindcast and giving us your time, uh, Bo. Twenty some years, you know. I'm I'm coming up on 18 in December. That means you know we could say the majority, right? Because yep. it's more than half. So the majority of of our careers, we've been able to work uh, on the same team with each other and, and work for the uh, for the team on on yep. the front of the jersey. And uh, I'm grateful to to share that experience, you know, with you. And I, I appreciate you. So yeah. thank you so much for your time and all that you Real do. Quick, one thing to answer, you know why you got the cufflinks? You asked a question. You came and asked, what do I have to do to get the cufflinks? Mm. You just, your whole, you asking, your, your point there validates the whole thing when I talk about asking the question. You ask the question, that's why you got what you got. You got to ask questions to get where you want to go. And I just want you to know, myself, you and Natalie have blessed my family with the things that we've done together, the conventions, the talks, some of the, we've had some tough talks and we've had some good talks, but just the time with your family and my family, as well as how we've grown up together here at AIL and Globe, it's much appreciated and your success and your continued success is all we want. We're just getting started. You bet. Just getting started. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Grindcast. Get ready. It's a new day. 